0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com, or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us for another big week of motorsport. We'll be speaking to a supercar driver that did pretty well on the weekend. He was uh, in a situation that he probably hasn't seen himself in before starting in position number four for the third race of the weekend. Of course, we speak of Zane Goddard. We'll catch up with him and have a chat. Also, Mark Walker and Richard Quayle to talk about the weekend's motorsport as well. But first of all, let's have a look at what's been happening in the world of motorsport. And in supercars, Shane Van Gisbergen's perfect run finally came to an end last weekend at the Tasmania Supersprint. The Kiwi on Saturday extended his winning run by cruising to an almost five-second gap on second place, Jamie Winkup. However, Winkup on Sunday struck behind, struck back, ending Van Gisbergen's winning streak by beating him to first place by just over a second. Jamie was keen to enjoy the win, admitting there may not be many left.
1: Uh, yeah, a good feeling to get the win, of course. Uh, like beside me, he's, uh, he's had a shocker. He's come second, um, but no, no, car was great. Uh, didn't quite get the start I would have liked, um, but then um, we had slightly better tyre life than um, than Cam, so. So we to get, get past, and then SVG was coming at the end, but um, just had enough to hang on. Just tell us a little bit about when Cam Waters pit. Looked like you are on your way in as well, and then you st- see him pit and then change your mind? Yeah, I was in, and then he'd come in, so I like, we, we may as well keep going here. I probably lost a second or so um, with because I was actually committed to the pit entry, um, but I'm glad I did. We got six lap better tyres, and, um, yeah, I think we would've, just would have been bottled up behind him for the rest of the race. So, um, yeah, probably probably a good call in the end. Race win, 123. Still feel good? Yeah, I, I think it, it keeps getting better. Um, I I did, I'm not sure how many wins I can establish this year, but um, I can guarantee you one thing, I treat everyone like, like it's the last, so um, I'll certainly certainly embrace this.
0: Then later that day, Chas Mostert, one race eight, finishing well clear of second place Anton Di Pasquale, winning by over 10 seconds. Chas Mostert was beginning to lose belief he could still win. However, he's broken his two-year run without a win, and it marks his first with Wilkinshaw Andretti United.
2: Yeah, look it's uh it's been a long time for the first place for us in supercars will be personally so starting to believe that i couldn't do it for a long time so i um, yeah super stoked for the team um you know we were there thereabouts all pace weekend but that car in that last race was a lot of fun with clear air so um yeah thanks to the wau guys these mobile one appliance online rocket i'm uh, i'm so happy just to finally
1: get that win off the monkey off our back for the team mate great start and then it just looked like a textbook race just head down drove away
2: yeah, like, we obviously struggled a little bit in race one and two with the tyres and, and stuff, but we ran a different tyre strategy in that last one. I think we might have missed the mark a little bit in the first two. So, car balance was really good coming in, taking those two tyres, and,
1: yeah, it was obviously pretty pacey at the front. Uh, heading to the bend next. Uh, very, very different type of racetrack that what we had at Sandown previous event here at Simmons Plains. The bend much more fast and flowing. What's this Walker and Joriondei United Commodore got?
2: I'm not too sure. Like I said, I obviously think we um, had a pretty fast race car in that last one and we tried some stuff for that race. So a lot of data to go through till then. But um, we were quick there last year. We just couldn't quite hang on to our tyres. So uh, this year will be our Achilles heel round going to that one again. and. We'll see if we can go get some more trophies, but so stoked to get the first. It's, it's unbelievable.
0: And Gisbergen still well clear on top of the standings with 865 points. Second is Winkup on 726, who is then closely followed by Mostert on 700 points. In other supercars news, it's been confirmed that Coe will host the New Zealand Championship round later this year. Hampton Downs was the other venue in the running. However, it will have to wait even longer for its first opportunity to host a supercar event. Hampton Downs had planned to hold the event last year after local legislation prohibited the use of Pukakoe. However, due to COVID, the race was scrapped altogether. Supercars campsites at Bathurst will be open for the Great Race this year. All eight sites will be open for the first time since 2019. Just four sites were open for the season opener back in February. According to Supercars, campsite ticket holders from 2019 will have access to a pre-sale this week before general sale begins June 15th. Formula 1 now, and Max Verstappen has won the Grand Prix in Nimela in a race which was action-packed with crashes and red flags. It was all looking good, then
2: Lewis went off the track, so I thought, OK, well, that's going to be easy to cruise home. But then, of course, we had the big crash with the red flag. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had to do a restart where I almost lost it. So it, it just show, shows you that uh, it's so tricky out there with cold tyres, you know, even in the wet, it's super easy to let's say make a mistake with these cars.
0: Verstappen ended the race 22 seconds ahead of a recovering Lewis Hamilton who managed to finish second despite having an off-track moment which meant he had to reverse out of the gravel and rounding out the party was McLaren's Lando Norris. Lewis Hamilton's team-out Valtiero Bottas was involved in a massive crash with George Russell where both drivers were quick to blame each other. The crash left debris all over the track causing a red flag. The FIA opted to take no further action on the crash calling it a racing incident. Next month's Spanish Grand Prix will take place behind closed doors due to extended COVID restrictions by Spanish authorities. The event scheduled for May 19 was planning to allow a limited number of fans. However, health authorities have barred the event from accepting fans due to the current COVID restrictions, which may not be lifted in time to allow fans. Doubt is rising surrounding the Canadian Grand Prix after F1 officials refused to confirm local reports that the race will be cancelled. Radio Canada reported that a disagreement between public health officials in the city of Montreal and its state of Quebec could see the event axed. Radio Canada claimed city officials are against the event taking place while the state officials want to push ahead behind closed doors and while adhering to covid protocols. The Canadian federal government has yet to comment. F1 has announced that it will be uh, that there will be a Miami Grand Prix next year. The 5.41 kilometre track is estimated to allow top speeds of 320 kilometres an hour. The circuit is in Miami Gardens, which is owned by Stefan Ross, who has been a key player in attempting to bring F1 to the area. F1 boss Stefano Domenicali recently stated he believed there would be a second race in the United States and with the introduction of the Miami Grand Prix, this is the first time the US has hosted two or more Formula 1 races since 1982. And Daniel Ricardo has backtracked the comments he made towards the social media team of F1. The Australian called them and idiots for the way they promoted the sport, especially regarding the glorification of crashes. Ricardo admitted he needed to be better in his choice of words, stating it was too aggressive. His McLaren boss, Andreas Sotl, has voiced his support of Ricardo's views. While he does not agree with the driver's language, he too agrees there are better stories to be told. And in MotoGP, GP, Fabio Cuadrero has won the Porto Mayo Grand Prix. The Frenchman finished over four seconds clear of second place Francesco Bagnini. Bagnaya, so who was only a tenth of a second faster than third place Johan Murr. The race also saw several riders crash out. Alex Rins crashed on lap 19, was very influential in securing Quadrero's win, as he was hot on the leader's tail at the time. The win means Quadrero now has one back to back Grand Prix and leads the competition with 61 points, 15 points clear now of second placed Bagnaya on 46, followed by Maverick Vinales in third on 41. The race also marked the return of Marc Marquez, who finished in seventh place. The Spaniard has not been in action since last July after he broke his right arm. Marquez has, was overcome with emotions and said he exploded and could not control them as he returned to the Honda garage. That's pretty much all in motorsport news so far. Plenty more to come. Let's get on with the show. This is On The Grid on
3: mypodcasthouse.com.
0: All right, joining us for a chat as he always does, Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crowellsy.
3: Oh, Shebexter, what a weekend of car racing that was. Um, a bit around, wasn't it? Yeah, still catching up on sleep from all of that. The Grand Prix ran late, which was interesting. Early morning start to see young uh, Scotty Mack go pretty well in the IndyCar in Barber, And then uh, while all that was going on, we were trying to work out uh, everything that that digested down at Simmons Plains Raceway and another cracking weekend of supercars. So much to talk about. And I, I'm really looking forward to getting the thoughts of our first guest, mate, because uh, this season already has delivered some great surprises in terms of results, which we love. And uh, I think it's the sign of uh, things to come when it uh, comes to the 21 Supercars Championship.
0: Yeah, well, I can, before he speaks, I can actually tell you his thoughts about his weekend. I think there was a quote that said, I'm sort of in disbelief. Let's find <laughs> out why. Zane Goddard from Matt Stone Racing joins us. And I presume that quote was relative to uh, a fantastic qualifying for race three on the weekend. Uh, starting fourth, mate. Well done. Congratulations.
4: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy end the weekend. Um, definitely wasn't expecting it going into Tassie. So, yeah, pretty proud of it
0: the turnaround in form obviously from the start of the season even into the first two races of qualifying on the weekend can you put your finger of the boys being able to put their finger on what happened in between qualifying for race two and race three
4: um to be honest not quite sure yet we haven't had our debrief um qualifying one we genuinely had some good pace um we just got caught in traffic we went sort of a lap too early and that sort of screwed us up a little bit, unfortunately. So I think even on Saturday there was a possibility of a top 10 in qualifying, um, but yeah, Quali two didn't have the pace. I'm still not sure why, but then um, yeah, quality three, we really turned it on, got a good result. So um, yeah, we'll look into it because yeah, if we could get a little bit more consistency and get those qualifier, uh, qualifyings dialed, then um, that'd be good. So yeah, we'll work it out.
3: Zane, before we dive too much into Simmons Plains, just go back to the start of the season because you'd already shown really good pace at Mount Panorama and 12th and 16th in the two races there. So you unloaded the start of the year quite quickly, didn't you?
4: Yeah, for sure. Like um, even pre-season testing, the car was really fast. Um, You know, when we did that, we we really saw a lot of improvement. Then we, yeah, took that to Mount Panorama. The race pace was good, obviously, to um, 250K races. So, um, yeah, that was cool to see that the pace sort of lasted that whole duration. And, yeah, in qualifying, the car was quick as well. Um, sand dam, we had good uh, pace in the dry. I don't know, just didn't quite make it work in the wet. I haven't done a lot of supercar driving in the wet. So, um, yeah, it wasn't fantastic. But, yeah, come back to Tassie um, and, yeah, the car was quick. And, you know, it's really cool to see um, that the team is, you know, getting better round by round. But, you know, compare us to last year and, we're almost a completely different team which is really cool um so yeah everyone's working really hard working well together so it's a good atmosphere to be in at the moment if we just keep chipping away we'll slowly get better and better results but um yeah it was a nice little taste on the weekend in race Three.
3: you you talked about the team being completely different and a, a great milestone for matt stone racing 10th anniversary celebrated at the weekend which was cool um, what's changed? What's different aside from the fact that you're in the car full time, whereas last year you split it? That's obviously going to be a, a fairly big contributing factor to having a, a better season. Um,
4: yeah, well, a fair bit's changed. Like obviously, like you said, um, me and Jake getting our own cars. Uh, Engineering-wise, it's completely new lineup now. Um, So, yeah, Jack Bellotti on my car is doing a really good job. Nathan overseeing it. Uh, Jake's got Stucky at the moment from, um, you know, Triple Eight. He's got a lot of experience. So, that's really good as well. Um, All the boys, um, mechanic-wise, are really getting on well. There hasn't been as much change there. Um, We've got Riley that's come in. He's on Jake's car. But apart from that, that sort of stayed the same. So, Yeah, everyone's just working really well together. Um, There's good banter between the boys and everyone's enjoying racing at the moment. So, um, you know, when everyone's happy, it makes the whole work environment work a lot better. So, um, yeah, we're definitely seeing the results at the moment. So just got to keep that going.
0: Racing every race this year, obviously, when you look back at last year and only doing every second race, how tough was last year with that predicament of being the every every other race driver obviously you find yourself a bit of form and then you go god now i've got to wait six weeks or seven weeks or whatever it might be until the next stint
4: yeah it made it difficult for sure um even just not having the car solely set up for you um you know we had our own seat inserts but jake's left foot brake arm right foot brake so just little things like that um but, no, it worked well last year. Like, the Superlight thing was really good. Um, I feel like it put us both in really good stead for this year. We got a taste of what supercar rounds were like, even though we didn't get to do all of them. So um, it sort of cut that little bit of learning out. But, um, yeah, being able to do every round and keep the momentum going and, um, you know, getting that race fitness up and getting your eye in and stuff, um, it's... Yeah, way easier in that regard this year, especially last year when we had the break due to COVID before Sydney and, like, I came into the second round. Yeah, that first day was pretty hard when everyone had already had a weekend like two weeks before or whatever it was. But, um, yeah, it definitely served its purpose last year. You know, Super 2 didn't have the greatest season of running last year. So, in comparison to that, you know, um, we were very, very lucky. So, yeah, served its purpose. And um, I think it's a good initiative that will be used in the future at some
3: time again. You, you were talked about it and asked about it a lot in the broadcast on Sunday, I know. But uh, when you were lining up on the grid for the final race of the weekend and you look in your rear view mirror and directly behind you is the GOAT, Jamie, uh, alongside him's Will Davo, who's won a couple of Bathursts. Um, just behind them is Shane Van Gisbergen who wins everything at the moment. I mean, what do you, do you not even care about that when you're sitting in the car? Or do you, did you give yourself the opportunity just to have a, have a look and go, oh, this is pretty cool?
4: Um, when i when I was on the grid, I definitely thought this is very cool, especially when you only see one row of cars in front of you and that's clear track. So um mm. yeah, it was pretty surreal experience, but it was weird. I wasn't so much stressed about it once the race um sort of got underway once we started doing the warm-up life and stuff. I just wanted to make the most of it. Um it's not every day you get to start a supercar race in the top four. So um yeah, I just wanted to make the most of it and know that when I finished the race that there were no regrets and that I gave it my 100%, which I feel I did. And um, I feel like we executed the race quite well. So yeah, got no regrets.
3: Yeah, we'll qualify fourth, start seventh up against that. Mob is really, really impressive. What's it like racing at the front though? Because quite often if you qualify badly, you're on a hiding to nothing because it's so elbows out between anywhere between outside the top 10, basically, isn't it? So did you notice a difference in the way the competition was and the way the race played out when you've actually got a little bit of, clear air and a bit of track position at the front of the field
4: yeah 100 percent. especially around tassie i don't think i came out of either of the first two races with a completely straight car to be honest <laughs> um yeah you know when it comes to like a hairpin and stuff and it always backs up you know race two was a bit um of carnage but um yeah when you're up the front you know everyone wants to stay up the front so when they're making moves they're a little bit more clinical and stuff um i think when you're further down the grid uh there's not really that feeling of wanting to stay there where when you're in the top five you know that's big points um, for yourself and the team so everyone like sort of cuts out the risk and stuff you can sort of get into a rhythm and um, keep the tires and the car under you so I found that a lot easier which was really cool so um you know especially with these short sprint rounds qualifying is key so um yeah I think that's got to be the target but yeah the race car held in really well for those 44 laps so um yeah credit to the boys they gave me a good car and made my life a hell of a lot easier I know pit
0: stops can be stressful at the best of times. I want to know the pressure that was on the boys with the guns and even yourself on that pit stop in that third race, because obviously you wanted to get back out into a position where you were going to be still fairly competitive.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think it was the hardest I attacked the pit lane all weekend for sure. (laughs) I knew that um, there was a possibility that I was going to get undercut by the two triple eight cars, which did end up happening, but um, yeah, attacked the pit stop, uh, hit my marks pretty well i think and yeah the boys did a really good job it's still uh, quite a quick pit stop um so yeah they did a really good job you know when you're under pressure like that it's easy to uh make a mistake and slip up on it so yeah credit to them uh dealing with the pressure and doing a good job
0: See the amazing thing about tassie isn't it that one of a second can cost you 10 spots
4: yeah it's insane isn't it um you know it's funny i look back on my lap from that last qualifying I'm sort of like, I'd love to do it again, but at the same time I'm like pretty, pretty happy with fourth. <laughs> I'm like, could I find a 10th? Maybe, maybe not. No, I'll just stick with fourth. Four's good.
3: Cause yeah, you, you're point one three from pole, but if you po- find 0.3, you're in front of Anton mm. and you find a little bit more than that. And you're in front of Chase, and you're sitting alongside Waters. So, and with know. their, with their race pace struggles, you might've ended up knocking him off, but um. Fourth is still a great result what what's the what's the vibe in the team like at the moment mate because if there's one thing that we know about the stone family broader than matt stone racing is that they're just a group of racers They they exist to go motor racing they love it they're passionate about it and then you've got guys like jason gomercel coming in as a co-owner who's a race car driver he loves going motor racing tcm super three whatever it might be so I imagine that just gives it a really cool racer's racer style vibe when you're in the garage talking about car racing, I suppose.
4: Yeah, 100%. Everyone's really pumped, you know. um, That was the tied the best qualifying for the team so far, um, which was a cool achievement. And, you know, P7 in the race was pretty good. But, um, yeah, I feel like me and Jake this year have, been doing a solid job in, uh, job in the driving department and the team's doing a really good job setting up the car and minimizing mechanical mistakes and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I feel like everyone's taking a big step up this year. Um, Obviously, yeah, Matt and Jason are super passionate about the racing and, you know, they're there to get good results. They don't just want to make up the numbers. So, um, you know, um, yeah, it's a good atmosphere to be in. It's a real racers, racers team. So it's really enjoyable when you come to the racetrack and know that they want to do well and they really back you and support you and want you to have a good race
3: and Zane, the championship's so competitive this year and, and forget about shane i mean one minute you can qualify 18th and mm. 10 minutes later you're seventh so and you're not the only one that's experienced that this year i mean jack smith on saturday was outstanding in qualifying and, and he was the only bjr car anywhere near the top 10 so it's going to be that kind of year isn't it where you've you've got to maximize your really good results but it's going to be unpredictable race to race so difficult to plan i would imagine to know how this is all going to play out when you get to any given racetrack in the in the calendar yeah for sure i'd
4: have to say at the moment we're the most competitive touring car championship in the world you know there's so little between all the teams and drivers and um if you're on your game or not on your game it can make a world of difference so especially when you're racing at a track like tassie which only has realistically four real corners to it um if you don't nail one of those corners you can be at the back of the grid and if you do a really solid lap you can be close to the front so um yeah i feel like everyone's on top of their games teams are doing a good job obviously 2020 was a difficult year for the championship but how cool was it having all the fans and stuff again at tassie you know yeah. um the environment is pretty um, epic. So, yeah, I, I love racing the supercars. I feel like it's got an awesome fan base. Um, it's super competitive. All the drivers, you know, give each other respect, but race real hard. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool um, sport to be a part of. And, you know, I still pinch myself that I get to be part of the category.
0: I know you're a massive reader of the uh, the Race Talks power rankings. <laughs> I know you absolutely love them on a regular basis. Uh, in this week, a big knot to the split qualifying session in Tassie to the extent that I think the wording might be, this is never to happen again. Yeah. We didn't like Is that like the it feeling of you guys?
4: <laughs> um, oh, look, it's a hard one because the track is so short. Um, so if it didn't happen, I feel like it would be a real, a real mess <laughs> in the flightest way I could say it. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like it, it worked out. It's sort of hard because, you know, um, Track conditions can change the tiniest bit, but um, you know, I don't think it's too big a deal. Say so it's somewhere like Tassie. If it was somewhere really hot and then one session got cloud cover, the other didn't, then you'd be complaining. But um, yeah, like I feel like in some regards, the first session was quite a hard session to be a part of. You know, um, like at all SVG cam, Chaz, all that. You know, it was hard just to scrape through to Q two on the Saturday. So in that regard, I wasn't a huge fan, but um. <laughs> Apart from that, I feel like it served purpose quite good. And, um, you know, I feel like it was a much better alternative than having 24 cars out there. They're all getting each other's way and no one getting a proper quality lap in.
0: And okay. while we didn't get a verbal response about the power rankings from Zayn just then, folks, he did nod his head on the Zoom call. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that he avid, is a avid, massive avid. power rankings reader.
3: <laughs> it's, it's good to hear from someone in the cockpit. As a show, it probably needed some work from a... From a TV product and for punters sitting on the hill. But um, yeah, okay, interesting. Good to hear. Uh, you mentioned Simmons Plains with four corners. You go to a place with 19 of them next week, two weeks' time uh, at the Bend Motorsport Park. Completely different style of venue. Uh, your tyre dag is going to be 50 times what it was last weekend. So it's sort of a full reset, isn't it, going into this this next group of racetracks and especially the Bend?
4: Yeah, 100%. The Bend's a completely different track to Tassie. Um, it's really fast, quite a wide track. And um, like you said, the tire degs pretty gnarly. Um, last year we had a strong Saturday there. We kept the tires under the car quite well, but then on the Sunday we just blew through them like you wouldn't believe. So um, yeah, hopefully we can have it more like the Saturday rather than the Sunday. Um, but yeah, I feel like our car's pretty good there. And you know, so far we've been showing that we've taken a step forward at most of the tracks. So hopefully it's the same there. So um yeah, we'll see. I like the bend. It's cool track, cool venue, and um, hopefully we can put on some good racing.
3: You ran the second of the two rounds last year, didn't you, on the shorter circuit?
4: Uh, no, I ran the longer one. So oh, right. right. Yeah,
3: okay. Yeah, yeah,
4: the longer one had the gnarly tie deck. Yeah, the short one yeah. wasn't too bad. But, um, yeah, that short track actually looked quite fun. I was sort of hoping that we would um, give that a try because I missed out on it last year. But, um, now nah, we're going back to the traditional track, which is also really cool. You know, it's got mm. that long quadruple right-hander, which is quite challenging for the car and for the tyres. <laughs> yeah, But, um, yeah, no, nah, it's a good fun track to go around and,
3: yeah, hopefully we can drag a good result. Yeah, you don't, Shebex, you don't want to be a left-hand Dunlop at no. uh, the Ben Motorsport Park, that's <laughs> for sure.
0: No, you get worn pretty easily, there's no doubt about it. Mate, a final one for you, 21 years of age. I remember calling you in Formula Fours all those years ago when I think you were around about 15 years of age. A yep. stint over in the UK driving Formula Fours to so Kimi Raikkonen's team and then into Super 2s with Brad Jones Racing. Are you happy with the way everything's developed right up to this point? Is there anything you would have changed?
4: Um, No, I don't really have any regrets because at the time I always thought it was the right choice and the team thought it was the right choice and my parents and all that. So um, no, I have no regrets. Like I'm happy where I am right now and I feel like all the experiences I've had in the past have made me who I am as a driver and as a person. So um, no, I got no regrets. I'm happy with the way that I've got here and I feel like it's put me in good stead for the future.
3: Well, that's good, mate. You're 21. You're too young to have regrets. Yeah. No, Let's well, exactly <laughs> go right. motor racing, mate. Hey, well yeah. done, Zane. Congratulations. It's a great result and um, really pleased for you and for Matt Stone Racing. It's cool to see that team really starting to fire and, and become a, a, a force week in, week out in supercars, which is great fun to see. Yeah,
4: no, it's very cool to be a part of. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: Good on you, mate. Zane Goddard
4: joining us here on The Grid.
0: All right, Krause joining us, as he always does, for the final segment. Mark Walker from talk.com
5: Hello, Mark. Shebexter, Kralsey. Another weekend where too much motorsport is barely enough. Wasn't that a good bit of fun? That's
0: about the biggest weekend we get for the
5: year, isn't it? Oh, there'd be others. Oh, we missed no, this there'll, the there'll,
3: there'll be more. I think we get the old, um, I don't know if there's supercars on that weekend, but we get, no, there is, Winton. Uh, so we get the supercar Monaco Grand Prix Indy 500s. Uh, marathon, world six hundred, world six hundred. Yeah, so we'll still be going ten o'clock the next morning, or uh, as in the case of some Charlotte races in the past, Mm. like late afternoon. As yeah, correct, or the next day. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah which which has actually happened before to us but oh um, yeah
5: you, you really did stick the knife in there and twist a little bit bringing back those bad memories again like you did last week well, i'm really not enjoying these sessions oh, I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to
3: go to the winery and you were waiting on Uncle marcus to uh finish five, finish five laps off the freaking nascar race in 28th position speaking of uncle marcus what a performance uh universally i think um Acclaimed performance from yeah. his broadcasting debut at Simmons Plains on the weekend. What do we think?
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah, he was fantastic. Wasn't he insightful, uh, fun? He was upbeat. He was He was just everything you'd want out of a
5: commentator. And first time up too, he did a ripper job. And combined with Garth, I mean, Garth's had three rounds under his belt now and it's like he's been there forever. He's absolutely hitting the nail on the head the whole time. Great insight from those guys. It brings a different perspective to it. There's not so much the the inside matey-matey jokes that sometimes go on with these things and bitter and twisted people on the sidelines who've been left behind by motorsport. You know, these guys really enjoying being out there. They're saying the right things, and it's, it's good entertainment. I'm, I'm loving it.
1: Larko's yeah.
0: doing a great job eating Chaz's steak, I thought was... <laughs>
3: Fantastic. <laughs> well, that's we. We. I was down in Tassie earlier this year. There's, there's no COVID rules down there. It's fine. Right. Um. Yeah, Larko's just. He's uh, full an, Larko. Just drawing what's, drawing
0: pictures that could be construed as penises on I whiteboards.
3: Definitely was. Definitely <laughs> was. Um. No, look. It, it was. It was really good. I. I enjoyed Marcus. Um. Having driven Will Davo's car on Sunday morning, talking about how the car behaved, and he almost feel like he wishes that that was what the cars were like when he made the comeback yeah, Yeah. because he made the comeback at the peak of the twin spring thing and the cars were quite different animals to drive compared to what he remembered from back in the day. Whereas now they've sort of reverted back with the single spring and control dampers and things like that to being a little bit more unruly and a bit more physical and a bit more pick them up by the scruff of the neck and rag them kind of thing, which of course is what he did in the States for so long. So um, it was interesting getting his feedback from that. Uh, and the other part I really took out of it was Garth down at the hairpin. I don't know if you boys saw that, but he spent a session down there on, on Saturday and, and talked about cars going through and why they use the high line through there now and all of those little things and picking up who was good on the throttle and things like that. Just genuinely entertaining, interesting insight that even people that work in the sport and that live it and breathe it um, go, Oh, I, I've learned something. Or I feel like I'm informed, which, can be hard to do sometimes.
5: The thing that I like from Garth was just some of these little insights there. Like, what what would you do if you're starting on the front row? What would you do on the warm-up lap? What would you do to beat SVG? Well, the first thing you do is at the start of the warm-up lap, you gas it up and you put one on him there and in the run in the first corner just to put him off his game. Mm. All these little psych things that Garth was so good at. You forget how... You know, hardcore eraser he was. You didn't want Garth Tander behind you because he was going yeah. to get through, and you didn't want him in front of you because he wasn't going to let you through.
3: Yeah,
0: and He's you know probably- who I blame for Garth Tander being so good at this? Martin Brundle. I reckon Garth is turning into a supercar's version of of Martin because I love him in F1s. I love his insightfulness. I love the way he also attacks the you know the, the whole concept of you know things that needs to be done and, and the like. I think Garth is really following those footsteps on a supercar's performance, and it's just working perfectly.
3: Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, God, he was such a tough racer, wasn't he? Mm. he I'm, I'm glad you pulled that up, and he still is, Like even running the GT stuff that he's doing in TCR now. Um, anytime he's looming, you go, oh, something's going to happen here because Garth creates those kind of moments. It's just the way he drives, and we love it.
5: And the other thing, too, is he's been teammates to so many of those guys out in the grid. Yeah. In different scenarios over the years, whether it's HRT or mm. uh, GRM and all sorts well, along the, the like way.
3: The insight he can offer into a Nick Percat, for example. like yeah. He grabbed Nick when Nick was a baby and, and probably too soon to be driving for the Holden Racing Team. And I think even Nick would admit that now. Um, so, yeah, it's it really is super insight and, and it's probably it's such a welcome addition to the team because he's current. I mean, he's the reigning Bathurst champion. <laughs> like it's not every day you can parachute the guy that won the great race last year straight into the broadcast the following year full time.
5: Yeah.
3: Um, he's, he's still current. And we, we love Mark and we love Neil, but they haven't raced those cars competitively for some time. So having adding a tender and, and adds that great relevancy to it and currency to it and adding an Ambrose just adds an even different sort of factor again.
5: So just thinking ahead here towards the end of the year, Bathurst, you're going to have a couple of the regular TV talking heads out of the paddock, you know, with Garth and Craig with their co-driving roles. Do we give Unki Marcus a definite call-up for that oh, one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to be...
3: Mate, I put him in the com box for the yep. great race, for sure. And and with travel bubbles open now, Murph will be able to come over. So... Um, That'll be great. There's all sorts of potential for uh, entertaining broadcasting to come out of that. I reckon we take them up to the kink before the cutting for a little segment on the yeah, Thursday. Yeah, you have to. Wouldn't that be good? You have
5: and, to. And don't forget, remember uh, Marcus got stitched up when Speed had the, the coverage out here that year, buzzing back mm. into the States, and they phoned in uh, Marcus over in Charlotte, and, oh, by the way, on the line, here's Greg Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they
3: did. Yeah, it was terrific
5: oh, TV. You can, hi, Greg.
3: Yeah,
0: you can. <laughs> It'll be great to see two rental cars parked up the top there and them On just fire. going.
5: It. <laughs> no, well, NASCAR Fox just did that with Clinton. No, it was water. very good. Yeah. They destroyed two rental cars. That was yeah, great TV. It was very good.
0: No, fantastic it. stuff. And, uh, well, you could nearly say that Marcus could nearly be a regular each week, but, of course, Quake Lowndes will rejoin us for the bend, I'm sure, in the next uh, two weeks' time.
3: Yeah, Garth uh, has got some driving duties there as well in Australian GT. So I'd say his role probably won't be quite so large. Certainly won't be in the commentary box, I wouldn't have thought. So uh, yeah, Craig will, will step up and do some more stuff. So it's a wealth of talent to pick from when it comes from champion racing car drivers though, isn't it? Pretty good. It's pretty handy. Oh, we don't have Garth. Who do we get? Oh, Craig Lowndes or Marcus Ambrose. No, not, not bad.
0: We, uh, we spoke last week about who was going to be the first person to knock... SVG off the uh, the winners' podium. I don't think any of us picked his teammate.
5: <laughs> well, we didn't pick anyone. No, oh, we, no didn't. we did that. <laughs> <thing> that
3: <laughs> we thought, did, you're right. Yeah, we all thought the only thing he'd lose would be the race off the plane, off seat one A. But um, <laughs> I understand he was quite close to the front of that as well. Um, yeah, I mean Jamie was great, wasn't he? Really good to see the goat back up there. I, I was super pleased with Chaz and Walkinshaw getting it done. And and that was another question we asked last week: was are they? about to deliver. Are they going to actually deliver a great result? Um, and it turned out that they did, which was, which was about time and really, really impressive drive. And the way they managed that race was great. And again, had pretty good car speed all weekend. So it was only time that they were going to get that long awaited first win with Chazzy at, at WAU. But I, I thought that was an impressive performance and the way he pulled away, he did a van Gisbergen and on the rest of the field, he, he straighted them while they all scrabbled over the, the minor places.
5: Now, We'll never speak of that qualifying format again, but we will in a couple of seconds, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, but Van Giz just didn't quite get it done there in those Sunday qualifyings, which just put him a little bit behind the eight ball, which made it hard to come through. And mm. something that Ambrose alluded to is that he burned up a lot of tyres in those first two races. So come that last race, he didn't have the freshest of boots, and I'm sure Chaz was able to stockpile some nice tyres. Yeah. Knowing full well that he was starting on the front row in that last race, that Sunday morning race, he wouldn't have used everything he had. So he would have had some stuff up his sleeve and 10-second uh, margin. You know, job well done. Tick.
3: Yeah, and that that was what Zane was saying earlier in the show, Shebex, wasn't it? Yes. That that he didn't qualify real well for the first Sunday race. So you just save everything for the last one when you're fourth. And it was absolutely the same. And, and that's what I like about this current format um, where you, you do, sometimes you have to chuck away a race and you don't want to chuck away a race, but um, it mixes the results up a little bit. We had three different winners from three races on the weekend.
5: Tremendous stuff. But um, if, if SPG started on pole in that last race, he would have still been in the conversation, though. Oh, of course, he would have
3: 100%. But I think the other thing about the weekend was that the tyre deg wasn't massively high and compared to what we've seen with this tyre in the last 12 months in this race format. So the Ben's going to be an entirely different scenario and we'll look at that next week because of that. But um, so he's one of his great strengths, which is conserving and looking after a tyre and still going faster than anybody else. He couldn't really couldn't really put into practice because he, everyone was just driving pretty much the same Mm. and some cars were better than others as it turned Mm. out, which was probably another talking point we should seg into Uh, and young Cameron Waters and Tickford,
5: Tickford racing. And what on earth happened there? I mean, Waters Waters was the only Tickford car up there fighting a battle, wasn't he? He was the Mm. only one who was able to pull any qualifying speed out of it. Even if he had nothing in the races talking about parodies, probably not the best thing he could have done. I don't think he's kicked the Hornets nets there and he's probably made himself look a little bit silly, especially with the DJr cast stepping up and yeah. those guys finally starting to get on top of things. And it's a hard deal for them because they've, they're still suffering a bit of the Scott McLaughlin hangover. They've had mm. this Scott McLaughlin system. That's worked so long for Scott. It's the ultimate setup because it's winning races come in with two new drivers who are essentially in the Fabian role, not being Scott McLaughlin, not set up for that, you know, the, the winning setup, they're yeah. starting to mould the cars around Anton and Will and four podiums uh, from the weekend between them was very good and, and shows that the Mustang's capable and DJR's ready to step up at the bend, I reckon. Yeah. It was
0: always going to be a long-term prospect though, wasn't it, for DJR? They were, they were never going to come out of the blocks this year,
3: one and two. Well, I think everyone expected them to, but then everyone expected that because of what McLaughlin had done in that car. But it turns out the reality of where DJR have been in the last three years is somewhere a little bit further forward of halfway of between Scott and Fabian. So, you know, it's been one car punching on where Triple Eight, we know are bona fide because both of their cars are at the front in every single race. And that remains their absolutely best strength if anything, what this has done for DJR is given them two bullets in the gun, hasn't it? Because we saw both of those cars at the front. They were sharing podiums. They were running line of stern. They're both fast, which is terrific for that team. So, you know, as much as you'd love to win all the races, I reckon part of that team's probably going, do you know what? If we can have both cars in contention, if we're not winning, if both of our cars are round about the podium, that's probably a good result rather than having one up there and another one down in 10th place yeah which was often the case i I just want to go back to the cam thing a little bit and and it's been well documented and we talked about it in the power rankings it it led the not segment after qualifying which was just atrocious um uh, that i was just as a fan and i spent the weekend on the couch i wasn't in tassie i was really frustrated that that got brought up Mm. because because watching it, it's apparent. And they had owned up to the fact that they don't have great race pace at the moment. They, they put their hand up and said, we're not that great in the race. We're good over a lap. We're not great in a race. So why instantly default to a parody argument when Mustangs have dominated proceedings for the last, you know, couple of years. It's
0: not, it obviously wasn't a team instruction to say that. Was, no, no. And, home best.
3: and look, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He was frustrated. He led the race. Um, having started on the front row and dropped back and didn't finish on the podium. So you'd absolutely be fired up and pretty angry with life at that because that was his best chance to knock off Shane for the season so far. And it didn't happen. So you give him benefit of the doubt for being a bit frustrated and, and trying to find a reason for it. But it was just, it really frustrated me that we diverted to that when yeah. clearly um, when clearly the car just wasn't good enough to go with the triple eight things at a track where triple eight has, flogged everyone mercilessly for the last decade. Um, And then his and probably came the next day because he qualified on pole twice. And you just can't do that after calling for parody changes the night before. Clearly there's nothing wrong with parody. If you're qualifying on pole, it's yeah. I just found it a little bit frustrating and it's just a step back from where the sport needs to be heading. We don't need that chatter. We want the drivers to be saying fun and interesting things and being a bit political and, staying stuff that's quotable, but stuff like that you just don't need to lean into because it's such a hotbed for getting people fired up that don't
5: need to be. The bit that annoyed me about their Sunday, that Sunday morning race, he was on pole, led away, and then they pitted him early. They didn't do the, we're putting all our eggs in this basket to get this one race win. Who cares about the afternoon race? We want to get this one race win under our belt. Give us a bit of confidence moving forward. But they pulled him in early. So mm. it made no sense. Then he ran out of tyres late. Of course he's going to run out of tyres late because he pitted early. He was yeah. covering off no one. He was leading the race.
3: Yeah.
5: But the winning strategy for SVG on Sunday afternoon was pit halfway. Yeah. Why they didn't do that, that does my head in. But they're the ones doing the job. So good luck to them.
0: Interesting times. Interesting times. There's no doubt about it. Oh, great to see a fantastic crowd at Tassie. I think it was. It was, was it eight thousand on the Saturday and no. nearly ten thousand on the Sunday?
3: Yeah, so they had a ten thousand COVID cap per day. So seven five on the Saturday, and, and Saturday's a hard day to get people to go to the races because there's community sport on and football and things like that. Um, not making excuses; it's just fact of life as a promoter. Uh, but nine five on Sunday, so only only four hundred and sixty short of their absolute maximum capacity for the venue per the the Tassie government COVID regs. So great turnout. Um, yeah, it's a hot bit of racing talent you know they had five thousand a day for the two race days at, at race tasmania earlier this year so um, you put an event on down there promote it well people will turn up um, which was great to see probably frustrating mark that the support category wasn't better than it was because it, it didn't look great on tv did it and no. it, generally if it doesn't look good on tv it doesn't translate well being trackside either
5: yeah, and that's the thing. You want those people to come back next time. So it's a mm. bit of a shame that there are only 27 cars on the undercut. And the other thing, I think we do have to talk about that qualifying. That was abysmal. Oh, yeah. That is no good. Yeah. When, when the yeah. commentators don't know what is happening, they, mm. they literally had no idea at all what was going on. That's that's not good enough.
0: Zay yeah. had an interesting comment, Richard.
5: Yeah, he did. He, he, he sort of went
3: probably went a little bit party line of saying it yes. was from a traffic point of view, which I get, but um, yeah, it just sucked the life out of it, didn't it? Um, and you, you knew like Cam wasn't going to get beaten in that second group of cars um, on Sunday, for example, in either session. Sure. He was on pole by a hundredth of a second, but he was never going to get knocked off. So that following five minutes was just a massive anti-climax of yeah. cars going around and circulating. So at the very least, if they have to persist with this, do it on practice time. So at least yeah. you then get the that last five-minute session are uh, the 12 fastest cars from practice. So at the very least, you've got the fast guys going out in a shootout for pole. But I don't understand the whole split the garages halfway down the middle thing. it's just may as well just pick numbers out of a hat for that. Yep. Um, it just the slight little decisions like this baffle me and why it wasn't workshopped a little bit better and, and thought about from an entertainment standpoint rather than doing trial by fire, which is what they had. And like universal, we, you know, we had one of our best ever reactions on social media to this weekend from uh, a call out for the power rankings nominations, hot not or what. We put our call out on Sunday night. We had one of our best ever amounts of feedback, and 98% of the knots were about the qualifying system. So it's a pretty broad scope of very well informed fans that follow TRT and they all hated it. So it was trial by fire and man, did they get burnt? So yeah. the, the next thing for mine is do they progress with it at these at the next rounds it's it's due to happen at the, the shorter circuits. Hopefully not. Mm.
1: Mm. If
3: it is, I won't watch. Simple as that. I just it doesn't interest me. I'll look at the results afterwards and find out. But it just from an entertainment sure. standpoint, it did nothing for me surely you take the
0: popular opinion on something that's not neither it, it makes no difference
3: whether they do it or not does it really well no but there's got to be better formats yeah to set the grid surely surely surely
0: uh yeah interesting weekend of supercars interesting weekend of indy cars
5: great mm. to see scotty mclaughlin uh get a go
0: what go do you on, think of his, uh, go
5: if on, his uh... first up Go yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you've definitely just Go brought on. it up that I said he was going to finish fourteenth. <laughs>
3: How you, did I know? <laughs> you pulled that number out of your posterior.
5: Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, the the thing that impressed me was his qualifying. That. Uh, yeah. That run, because he had one lap and he had no starter. He was running three minutes late. The the starter mm. motor, uh, the starter unit broke down. They had to borrow one from another team. So he was very late going out there. He had one lap to uh, put it into the next section of qualifying, and he did it. He yeah. pulled out an absolute Scott McLaughlin lap, which was really cool to see, and he was pumped up. He, he used up an extra set of tyres, which uh, a lot of the rookies did to do that. But... Um, that was cool. That showed that he belonged. So I, I was happy to see that. And obviously, the race didn't quite go to plan. Twelfth place, but uh, early days, isn't
3: it? Yeah, just solid. Uh, it, I mean, he, as you said, he looked like he belonged. He looked like an Indy car driver. Yep. Uh, and and the beauty of that championship this year—it's so competitive. Like there's such a good field, and when your rookie classes Scott McLaughlin, Jimmy Johnson, and Romain Grosjean—it's hmm. just extraordinary. Um. But it's so so competitive, and you can be Sebastian Bourdais, and his AJ Foyt car really struggled for qualifying pace. He started 16th, and finished fifth. Yep. So that's that's IndyCar racing. You, you can resurrect a rubbish weekend, which I love about that category. It's so open at the moment, um, and you know Alex Pelot, first round with Ganassi just goes and goes and wins the thing. Um, McLaren SP car on pole, which was really good. Will Power in the mix, like uh, that was really important. And and I listened to Rusty's podcast with Will a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't heard it, look for Rusty's Mm -hmm. Garage. Man, there's some compelling stuff in that chat. It's one of the best interviews I've ever heard with Will Power. But he talked about the fact that he always starts the year so poorly and comes home with a wet sail, but he's rubbish at starting championships. But he finished second, beat Scott Dixon. That's a huge tick. Um, but a couple of 40-year-old blokes second and third on the podium in that championship, which is just awesome. So great stuff for Will Power. He's going to be a a fixture in contract year at Penske as well. Busy start. They go to St. Petersburg this week and then off to the Oval in Texas. And then they get stuck into the month of May, which is going to be cool. So really busy start to what's going to be an amazingly competitive championship. And Mark, I thought Jimmy Johnson did a solid job. Like he didn't qualify last. He didn't finish last. He was doing good lap times by the end of the race. Um, he was really, really solid.
5: Uh, old dog, and he's learned some new tricks. Actually, yeah. a young dog, young dog who did a good job. Hunter McElroy yes, got up for a win in the Indy Pro Two Thousand. Friend of the show. Yep, great to see on the ladder system, and he did a great job.
3: Yeah, sixth in race one uh, with a broken front wing, so qualified on the front row, but unfortunately had a broken wing early, a little bit of a skirmish. So, yeah, super job, really impressive. He's a good kid. It's a big year for Hunter. He needs to. Needs nice to win that championship this year and progress up to Indy Lights next season with the scholarship fund that comes with it. But really good signs. And, and like IndyCar there at St. Pete in Florida this week for their next round. So we uh, we follow Hunter with all that. Friend of the show. We'll get him on in a couple of weeks after the first yeah, couple of rounds and see how he's going. Also, we've
0: got to be really uh, happy for Daniel Ricciardo, I suppose, for the fact that Lando Norris took his McLaren to a podium in the Grand Prix. Daniel's still getting his head around the package that he's got, but I think that'll come soon enough.
3: Yeah. He got smoked Chevex by Lando. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he owned it too. Um, after the race, he said, look, they, they told me to let him buy and he was faster. So away we went, but he's getting up to speed. I mean, his first four races last year at Renault or year one at Renault were DNF. So it's already a better start. He's had what a fifth and a sixth in the mm. first two races. So solid cracking race. It's it, she's good this year. F1 it's got a really good feeling about how competitive it is. And when you've got like Lando narrowly missing pole, chuck the lap away. Cause he track limits, but that was exciting. And then, um, but Stappan's a genuine world championship yeah, well, contender like, this year. It looks genuine. like they've got their stuff together at Red Bull, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, but Hamilton mate, like there's a, the reason he's a seven time world champion is cause he's clearly the best there's ever been, but he's kissed on the proverbial sometimes. Mm. And you know, fires the thing off the road on his own unforced error that he never makes. And at almost exactly the same time as he's trying to extract himself from that um, Bottas and George Russell go and have an airplane crash at Tamburello yeah. and he gets a red flag. So he gets his lap back that he lost and then he blazes his way through the field. Cause he's got a fast race. car and finishes second. Like it could have, it could have been a DNF. Yeah, But, I mean, that could be the difference between him winning the title or not. But, um, no, really cool. Good, It was a good race. It's properly competitive this year, which which is about time. It's only taken them eight years of the hybrid era to get here, but they're finally here.
5: Couldn't agree with you more, Richard. It was completely great. Yes.
3: Completely great. Mm.
0: Sure. Hey, uh, some fantastic pictures coming up uh, over the last few days of a, uh, a car that bears the race talk's name. <laughs> well, oh, wow.
5: the- yes. It- this is the biggest news in motorsport ever, maybe.
3: Well, it's, it's big, isn't it? So if you're unfamiliar, uh, the Race Talk uh, has been supporting a uh, friend of the show, Asher Johnston, since 2005. It was before the Race Talk was even a brand. Um, that's <laughs> creative how, sponsorship. Yes, it was, uh, but via other entities. So uh, great, great friend of the show. And Asher is uh, world champion Hyundai XL racer. Uh, lap record holder and national champion. Uh, South Australian state champion as well. But he has signed an amazing sponsorship with Hofbrau, the German beer company and their Australian distributors and legitimate sponsorship. They are backing his Excel for two years. But just to add to that sponsorship deal, boys, he's also signed a schnitzel restaurant as their secondary sponsor, House in Adelaide. Schnitt house, house. Um, it is the best sponsorship deal that's ever been done in the history of motor racing i'm convinced and race talkers there will be some fringe benefits for you down the road so keep listening just keep in the back of your mind Hofbrow um, and how that might impact the show but it, i guarantee you it will impact the show at some point this year so keep listening uh, instructions to follow and cast your mind back to our 2019 2020 great success of beers on the race talk
5: coming back well you know, you know the problem is this is going to be a multi-million dollar project for them now they don't know it yeah no it's, go, it's going to be huge it's not just a couple yeah. of
3: grand sponsoring in excel this is this is going to turn out to be a big thing for Hofbrau and, and I'm yeah. excited for them for that
5: <laughs> now I've got to tell you my wife's German so all of my holidays for the past decade have been to Germany I've been to the original Hofbrau house there in Munich and I've got to tell you this stuff's legit it's not mm. like we're getting home brand beer sponsoring this this is no. legit good beer no,
3: and the local distributor's Empire Liquor, who distribute it throughout Australia, it's the proper stuff too. It's none of this repackaged, Ugh. brewed by Cub rubbish. Yep, is actually imported proper Hofbräu from Germany. Wow. So, um, yeah, this is this is it's the dream, isn't it for us? <laughs> so, unpack having, you
0: Leiderhausen.
3: Yeah, but having a beer sponsor, Shabeks.
0: Oh, it's just amazing. Associated to it? us, they don't it actually with sponsor us yet. Was an association with the Stitzel House.
3: Oh, exactly right. I- Two of the best things. So get yourself over here for the bend in a couple of weeks, boys, and we'll go to House Hilton, just near the airport in Adelaide. Convenient. Not far from the CBD. And we'll have a pint of Stein of Hofbrau and a Schnitty. You,
5: you haven't got the auto renew on the racetalk.com going for next year because we're not going to be around to put anything on the site, I don't think. <laughs> no, we will. It'll be the hofbrautalk.com. It
0: won't make sense, but
3: that's... <laughs> And our next podcast, ladies and gentlemen, on the Hofbrow, coming soon to our podcast app near you. Anyway, sure. they, they, they will be, they will have an involvement at some point with us. So no, I'll uh, tell you, And you, the listener, will benefit from that.
0: Without a doubt. I'll tell you what's also uh, news that's just been broken here in Melbourne today, Tuesday evening, is that the Anzac Day AFL clash between Collingwood and Essendon is going to be 100% capacity oh. at the MCG. So, what that means is that sport, uh, probably around Australia, will start to fall in to that, which means that we're going to start getting some big crowds, hopefully uh, some motor racing events over the next uh, few months.
5: Yeah, but we still can't have an Anzac Day march, but we can all go and cough on each other. That at is ridiculous. Hmm. I
0: totally agree. I don't understand it, Mark. All I'm saying is that's <laughs> what's happening.
5: He's just reporting the news. <laughs>
3: 100,000
0: people at the MCG on Anzac Day, and that will start, I would think, to filter its way into other sports as well.
3: So yeah, from a motor racing point of view, uh, what Winton supercars um, in Melbourne. So that yep. would be great. They'll, they'll get an enormous turn up for campers there, which will be terrific. Uh, Queensland's pretty, pretty relaxed already, which is great. So I think they're back to a hundred percent already. Yeah, um, Not that you'd know it with their footy teams, but um, in both leagues, uh, but that means Townsville in July will be hopefully positive. You uh,
5: Your honor, Sheffield Shield, sir. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, did I didn't
3: mention the cricket team, mate. You, you... Oh, you, you, they're slandering our football team. Yeah, well, because they're not on. very good at the moment and no one goes. Oh, well. But they got yeah. a great turnout to the Shield final. Well done, Queensland. Thank you. On the balls coming to you soon. <laughs> a cricket podcast. <laughs> Actually, we should do <laughs> that next summer.
0: What? Let's oh, do it. it.
3: Oh, goodness.
0: Let's do it. Hey, boys, always good to catch up.
3: Thanks, bex Good Thanks, week weekend your of week car ahead. racing. Looking forward to more car racing next week. Uh, We preview the final round of the Australian Drivers' Championship at City Motorsport Park. The Gold Star is up for grabs. First national championship of the year decided already. Wow, it's early. Sport. How good. Mm. Love it.
0: See you, Mark. See you later. And thank you for joining us here on The Grid as well. We'll catch you again next week also. We'll see you.